0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Good morning, frontline. Hey, it's good to see all of you. If you're here in person or if you're joining and watching online, it's good to have you. Uh, We are kicking off a brand new series today, which I'm really excited about. It's called Anchored. And uh, in lieu of the nautical theme that we have for this series, I wanted to tell you a story about a man with a boat. And uh, his name's Max Lucado. I don't know if you've heard of Max Lucado before. Uh, Very well-known Christian author over the last few decades. He's known all around the world. Well, he tells this story and it's uh, Labor Day weekend, 1979. was a hurricane headed towards Florida, which is where he lived, and he had bought himself a houseboat. So it was a houseboat on a lake and a relatively nice houseboat. And so you can imagine after he had made only three payments, right? Three mortgage payments on this new boat, uh, the anxiety that hits hearing there is a hurricane barreling towards right where his houseboat. Uh, is stationed right on that lake. And so he gets anxious, and, and he, just like everybody else would, right, he grabbed a couple friends and neighbors and family members, and he went, I just need to anchor this boat. I need to attach it to something so that when the hurricane rolls through, I don't lose everything. So he gets a bunch of rope, runs to the hardware store, comes back with hundreds and hundreds of feet of rope, and they tie it down to everything they could find. So their boat, right, it's sitting there on the dock. So he anchors it to the dock, and then he's got ropes running from the boat up to the trees. And then he's he, he's looking for rocks, or he's looking for the moorings, or the, the little stainless steel things on docks, whatever they're called. He's anchoring it to everything, to the point that this thing looks like it's just sitting in a spider web. And then an older, weather-wise boater takes notice of what Max and his friends are doing to his houseboat, and he had been through some storms before. I think he'd been through three different hurricanes, and so he he kind of meanders over, he walks over, he introduces himself to Max, and he says, hey, could I offer you some advice as one who's weathered a decent amount of storms just like this one. And so Max says, sure, please. I mean, I'll, I'll take any advice I can get. And he said, if the storm is strong enough, because it was a hurricane, believe it or not, it was Hurricane David. He said, if that hurricane is strong enough, he goes, the winds, they could snap those ropes. I mean, they they can pull, they can pull the dock off. They can pull the trees off. He, He goes, if you anchor it to stuff like that, that's here on the shore, the stuff that you can see, he goes, it, your boat won't last. All of the anchors that you've attached to will be undone, but he goes, what you need to do is actually take your boat out into the water go out into the middle of the lake and he said throw four different anchors out maybe on the corners maybe on the sides and his his advice was anchor deep don't, don't just settle for the, the super strong knots that you can see in creating the spider web that holds that boat in place as solid as, as it can be, right? That feels secure. That feels like the right thing to do. He says, don't do that. Go out into the middle of the lake. Anchor deep. Have four anchors. Give it enough slack so that that boat can move and sway. It can go up and down with the waves. It can weather the storm. He goes, if you want to weather that storm, if you want to survive, anchor it deep, That's why we're doing a series called Anchored. I think most of us, right, if you think about the anchors that you have in your life or the anchors that I have in mine, uh, many of us, if we're surprised by the storms of life, we're not surprised at the storm. All of us anticipate storms. I think what many of us are often surprised by is the superficiality or the shallowness or the weakness of the anchors that we've actually attached ourselves to. If I asked you right now, how would you answer this question? What is the strongest anchor in your life? What is the thing that you fall back on, the thing that you run to, the thing that you can look at your life or your career or your job? What is the biggest anchor in your life that, that is present right now? Oftentimes, we know what that is. Maybe, maybe you already know what it is. Some examples or thoughts or ideas are coming to your mind right now. But a lot of times, I think we just don't know. In fact, a lot of times we don't know what our lives are anchored to for real until that storm hits. So if I said this, if I knew or if you knew that the worst storm of your life would hit in six months, what would you run to? What would your anchor be? What would you spend time on? What what would you secure if you knew In six months, maybe you'd be laid off at work. Maybe the market would crash. You'd receive a diagnosis that you've never heard of before. You'd lose a loved one. If you knew six months from now the worst storm that you had ever experienced in your life would be here, what is it that you would anchor your life to right now? We're going to spend the next five weeks talking about different anchors, that point us to the person of Jesus. But the reason we're starting with this one first today, the, the first anchor we're going to talk about today is the person of Jesus. He is the anchor. The reason we're starting with Jesus as the anchor, and then in the subsequent weeks we'll talk about prayer and fasting and the church and scripture. The reason we're doing Jesus first is all four of those other anchors we're going to talk about should lead us back to Jesus. The temptation is if if we flip it around, it can be a a sermon or a series that that sounds like or come across as uh, work harder and try more and be better and do do good things that that leads to their own end, but the ultimate end that we all need to be focused on, the ultimate anchor that we all need to attach our lives to is the person of Jesus, and that's why we're starting with him first today. So the author of Hebrews writes this. This is Hebrews chapter 6. They say this, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, talking about Jesus, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope, talking about Jesus, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The author uses the term anchor on purpose. In fact, every other time it's used in the New Testament, it's talking about a physical anchor like a boat and a ship. And, and any time a boat or a ship, especially in the times that the Bible was written, any time they would encounter a storm and waves would be crashing over and winds and gusts would be thrown, they would often get rid of the tackle or the cargo or the stuff. But to ride out the storm, to actually survive, they would try to get as close to land as they could. And even if they didn't know if they were close or not, they would throw anchors over the side to anchor their boat, to keep it steady as on many sides as they can, to hold it secure, to survive, that storm. That was how you do it. It applies in nautical world. It also applies today in our world, in our lives. So the the, the author uses the word anchor so that we would think about the person of Jesus as that anchor, not something superficial, not always something that we can see right in front of us, but an anchor that is deep that is solid, that is secure. And he's saying that Jesus is the only anchor that can actually weather every storm. That's the anchor that we need to be focused on. But here's what's interesting. A lot of us have different anchors in our lives, don't we? If I, if I move from metaphor here, talking metaphorically and get really practical, a lot of us would see these types of things as anchors in our life. It could be relationships could be people that are around us. It could be our net worth or our financial security. It could be our job or our purpose. It could be, uh, I don't know, career or the marketplace. It could be politics. It could be a variety of different things that we actually anchor our lives to. But the author doesn't list any of those things. The author actually lists a person. Did you catch that? That the anchor the author of Hebrews describes is a person, and it's the person of Jesus. If any of us actually anchor our lives to a person, here's what I would argue with you today. I I would say this. I think most of us don't actually anchor our lives to anyone else but ourselves. That if we're Max Lucado, if we're looking at our houseboat, if we're looking at our life that is right in front of us, push come to shove, when that storm shows up, we are going to bank on us over anybody else. It almost doesn't make sense, does it? That the most secure thing that you can anchor your your life to is not actually you, but it is someone different. Here's how most of us actually anchor our lives. If we talk about us personal, uh, I'll use the term or the terminology like our identity. The way that we see us or the way that we are wired, the way that we are uniquely gifted or built or created, whatever it is, our identity is derived from a variety of things, both externally, which is outside of us, as well as internally, things that drive us that maybe other people don't see. LifeWay Research uh, is this organization that does surveys all over the U.S. and then all over the world, and they gather this data and they share it to kind of give us an insight into things that maybe we see or experience but don't necessarily connect the dots. And so here's one of the surveys that they did is they surveyed uh, over a thousand people and they said, tell us if you could just list a couple of the things that are most important to your identity, what is it that you would say? And here's what some of them said, right? So external and internal. External, what a lot of people said, 73% of people, if they listed their top things that they are most attached to or most concerned about in regards to their identity, they actually listed their role in their family. If we keep going, I'll go quick here. Uh, others are the good that I do. 57%, uh, 51% are, are achievements. Half of the people surveyed, More than half of the people surveyed listed these three things in the top most important aspects of their own identity. But it keeps going on. About a third of people said their job is core to their identity. Uh, A quarter of people said country of birth is significant and important to me. It's my heritage. It's my culture. Politics, which is 18%. And then this last one here, which is looks. I don't have a problem with the looks one. Uh, That was not on my top 40 Uh, I had surgery back in May. This made me so mad. I had surgery. I was reading through all the surgery notes with Shannon this last week, and they described me as well-nourished. You know how insulting that is? (laughs) Looks is not on my top 40 at all, right? Thank you. You know, you see me in my exposed state, and you write well-nourished. That's like a doctor backhand, so... Internal, so those are a bunch of external ways that we, we find our identity or we, we look for affirmation or acceptance or, or security. I mean, if you think about Max Lucato with his boat, the external stuff is this is easy for us to take a rope to and go, what's most important in my life, I'm going to tie it to these things. I'm going to tie it to the role that I play in my family because it's important because nobody else can do that. It's significant to me. Nobody else can be dad to my kids. The role that I play or the role that you play in your family is important. And that's why so many of us, maybe what we'd start doing is we start drawing something from that, that we were never designed to in regards to our identity. Some of the other ones, achievements and job and country of birth and politics, these are things that are outside of us. But what happens when those change? As many times they do change. What happens when the thing that we find our identity in is no longer there? And we start having midlife crises and mental breakdowns and deteriorations of relationships. We become addicted to a variety of other things. Maybe it's work or alcohol or sex or whatever else it is. We, we put so much stock in the things that are outside of us. And we forget that you know what changes these things more than anything? storms, when things fall apart, when trials hit. Here's another side though, right? Internal. If we talk about internal, uh, 39% of people. So this was like the number one answer. 39% of people said what I've endured, that's what's created me. What I've been through, what I've experienced, what I've seen. But I, I like the word choice endured. It's what I've had to go through that most people, maybe, maybe they don't put a lot of stock into that or, or they, don't, they don't appreciate that, but what I have been through has created me. My identity is attached to that. Here's some other ones on the internals. Faith, 37% of people said faith, but that's not 37% of Christians, believe it or not. Actually, only 8% of people Wrote Christian. But 37% of the thousand people surveyed said faith is important to me, 12% said sexuality. 12% 12% said intelligence. We can go on through the rest of them. Compassionate was 11%. Kind and trustworthy were both 10%. And hardworking and honest were both 8%. These are things that maybe we see in ourselves that we care about, that have formed us and created us, that, that, that are almost like fuel, right? Like if we're a rocket ship, this is the fuel that fuels us towards a specific thing or a specific end in life. These things drive us, but here's the problem with the internal side of it. If you look at all of these the problem with this is what about when people outside of you people closest to you people far from you people at your workplace or people you're married to or your kids what happens when they don't see these things in you what happens when they don't appreciate these things about you or what happens if they disagree with you about these things inside of you when you're not affirmed or you're not accepted or you're not embraced, when you say these things are core to my identity, you know what happens in that situation? The bottom falls out. And you start looking for a group or you start looking for a population and you start looking for some other entity that makes you feel affirmed or accepted or embraced or cared for. But what happens when that goes away? You see how unstable... So many of us, our identities actually are. Every one of these things can change, and it is the storms that change them. The writer of Hebrews says, anchor your life on something much more solid than this. Anchor your life, create a foundation, right? Anchor your life to that foundation that does not change. Like Max Lucado's boat mentor, when he says, anchor deep say a prayer, and ride it out. The invitation Jesus actually gives us is not to anchor our identities in ourselves. It's actually to anchor our identities in him. Uh, This one's hard. Can I just be straight with you? This one's really hard for me. And uh, even first service, I, I talked with a couple of our team members, volunteers, and staff between talking through this. And, and here's what keeps coming up. It's like, man, I, I've anchored my own life to a lot of things that are by nature very unstable, unstable, insecure, loose. I mean, if I look even at the last couple of weeks, it's incredible how much like I need affirmation right now. And I'm not saying that so that you will do that for me. Please, please don't now, because now it's going to feel weird. But <laughs> But I tell you that to go, man, it, it, when I need something, when I start grasping for something, longing for something, desiring for something, it starts connecting inside of like, what, what is it that's going unmet right now? What is it that I've attached my identity to that I need someone to go out of their way and say, I, I like this about you, or I appreciate this about you, or, or thank you for doing this. There's something deep inside of me, especially in this season right now, that I'm feeling a lack of. And the more I sit with it, and this is, this is even in the last hour, the more I've sat with it even since the last sermon I preached, the more I'm going, maybe I've anchored my life to something else that's on that list. Or a bunch of things that's on that I need, need to be affirmed or appreciated or understood. Or Do you have that? I mean, if I look at my life, I, I, I do this all the time, but it often changes and shifts and drifts. I mean, it, it, there's whole seasons of my life that I, I've anchored myself to, like, successes and wins and titles and things that, like, I've accomplished so I can look at and go, check that out. I did that or I led that, or we accomplished that, or I earned that. I mean, there's a whole category for me of anchors that are attached to success in my life. But success, what an arbitrary term. What I define as success is probably different than what you define as success, which is pretty guaranteed different than how God defines success. But I have whole seasons and whole, whole anchors, a whole category of things that I go, man, I, I feel like I win when I get these things, right? I, I have another whole category that's based on the perception of people. Like, what do people around me think? What do the people closest to me think of me? And then, and then maybe that next layer, like people that know me but I'm not as close, what, what do they think of me? How do they see me? How do they perceive me? Do they see me as somebody of value or do they see somebody different or, or maybe a lack of value? Perception has played a significant role in my life. Here's a couple other ones if I think about it. Um, How I compared to others. Man, this, this one I come back to all the time over and over and over. My anchor is, is a moving target because I pick somebody close to me or somebody in a similar line of work as me or a similar age as me or with kids that are similar ages and numbers as me. I look at somebody and I try to gauge, like, am I winning or am I losing? Am I doing good? Am I keeping up or am I falling behind? Comparison, I have a whole category of anchors that is just built on looking sideways, what, what happens when all of those change? As I've, Hopefully, I'm, I'm depicting this well, because they all do. They're always changing. What about failures? That was something I, I thought was interesting. If I looked at that, that giant list, we don't have to put it back up, but the, the giant list that was up there, I think so many of us would put our failures on that list. Like, man, you, external or internal. Man, when I've blown it in life or when I blew it financially, I blew it in my job or I blew it in my marriage or blew it with my kids, whatever it is, so many of us, I think that failure tends to attach itself somewhere deep inside of our hearts in the the realm of identity. And man, that one's hard to outrun, isn't it? It's the internal piece that's killing you where it just keeps bringing you back to this place of, of doubt or fear. Anxiety, Maybe it's work harder and try more and be better and, and this voice that's in your head. What I'm trying to depict is a, me, just like all of us, our anchors matter. What our lives are anchored to matters. We actually have the ability to choose. Where I'm going here with the rest of the sermon, uh, it's probably not going to surprise many of you but it's extraordinarily difficult for all of us. And that's actually to anchor ourselves to the person of Jesus. Why do I think we're so resistant to the anchor of Jesus? Because it's an acknowledgement that he's better, that he's stronger, that he's smarter, that he's more right than me. You know what that costs? I mean, for me, that, that costs a lot. You're talking, you're, you're going to cost me security and stability. You're going to cost me control. It's going to require sacrifice. That if, if we actually make Jesus our anchor, I mean, think about the whole Max Lucado boat, right? He has to leave all of the things that he thought were secure behind him to go out into the middle of the lake. Does that seem dumb to anybody else? You're in good company with me if you do. It's terrifying. That's why most of us don't do it. You know know what I think, just to follow this analogy, you know what I think most of us do? We anchor really tight to the things we care about, and then we rev that engine as fast as we could, and we try to drag those things into the middle of the lake. And we're burning RPMs, and we're burning oil, and that thing's smoking, and we're trying to bring all of the other stuff that's important to us into the most solid, the most secure, most important, most anchored person in our lives, which should be Jesus. You can't have it both ways. The most solid anchor you could ever choose is the person of Jesus. Let me say it a different way. I'll say it like this. It's on the screen. Our identity in Jesus is far more important than the identity we give ourselves. What identity are you giving yourself? Where are you deriving your identity from? Where do you get your purpose and your meaning and your value? Where where do you get all of those things? What we are not designed to do is to get our identity from all of those other external and internal factors I've just described. Where we're actually supposed to do with or what we're supposed to do with all of those things is to bring our identity in Jesus to them. You want to change your marriage? Don't find your identity in your marriage. Bring Jesus into your marriage. You want to change uh, uh, finding your purpose in life? Don't run to work to accomplish that. Bring your identity in Jesus to your workplace. You want to see change in our community or change in politics or change in our country, change in our culture? Don't derive your identity from those things. Bring your identity in Jesus to those things. That's what will change the world. That's what will change your marriage, it'll change your parenting, it'll change every part of your life if we bring our identity in Jesus because it's anchored deep. Because you can ride out any storm. You know what happens when those storm hits? We find out who was anchored to Jesus and who was anchored to lesser things. What happened with the storm with Max Lucado is 30 minutes before the storm was supposed to hit, it actually veered off. So he dodged the storm altogether. But the question kind of remains, and it kind of lingers, what would have happened if that storm didn't change course, if it headed directly toward him? What, what would happen to you right now if the storm that maybe is on its way, instead of it veering off, or changing at the last minute, like most of us pray for, right? God, save me from the storm. Save me from the trial. Save me from the tribulation. Save me, save me from all of these other things, God, that threaten the places, the superficial places where I'm finding my identity. God, save me from that storm, please. What if that storm hits? I think Jesus gives us an invitation right now. To put our identity, to put our faith, to put our hope and trust in him as the anchor for our lives. So we don't have to wait for the storm to expose it. Maybe Jesus just wants to expose it in us right now. When we put our identity in Jesus, something changes. Something changes inside of us. I mean, it's like going to secretary of state. You're getting a new driver's license now. You are no longer who you used to be. You are now somebody different. You you aren't how you've derived your own identity. You are the identity that Jesus ascribes to you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in, in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here Paul is writing this to a place called Corinth, and he's writing it to a church. And he's saying, guys, if you get this, if you understand it, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you you aren't who you used to be. You don't function the way you used to function. You can't find your identity in the places that you used to find your identity. In fact, there's a brand new thing that's happening and taking place right now. Jesus has deposited something inside of you that you no longer have to find outside of yourself. You have to find it right here because Jesus is residing right there. If you build your life on that, your foundation on that, your marriage on that, your workplace on that, your business, your marketplace, whatever it is, if you build your life on that, it'll change everything. Paul's saying you can't can't have both. Why why would you try? Anchoring your life in Jesus blows the other ones out of the water. Paul is saying let let the transaction happen. Let the switch happen. Don't, Don't be anchored to the dock and try to throw deep. You can't. Go out into deep water. Leave everything behind. Say, Jesus, I surrender it all to you. Will you please be my anchor? That way I can take all of this back to my context, my relationships, my people. How do we do that? How do we do that practically? I mean, if I could ask that. I said earlier, I don't think a lot of us disagree with this message. Especially if you've been in church for a while, you go, yep, of course, Jesus is our anchor. I'm supposed to anchor my life to him, But here, here's what happens, I think, if we follow Jesus for any amount of time, is we drift. We go out deep, we throw the anchors down, and we go, there's no storm. I'm good. We just tend to, tend to drift back and go to some of those other categories of things that we start deriving our identity from. And before we realize it, the deep anchor that maybe we once had is a lot more shallow. Jesus gives us an invitation to come back to him. Can I tell you the biggest storm that you've ever been in? maybe without realizing it. The biggest storm that you've ever been in is the storm that was created from this thing called sin. We just talked about it for the last three weeks in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were in the garden. God said, do not eat from this tree don't do it. You can have anything else you want, anything in the garden I've provided for you, but do not go to this tree. And Adam and Eve had a choice. Their choice was, am I going to choose God or am I going to choose myself? And when they chose themselves, they had sinned. They created a gap and a chasm that separated them from God. God was perfect. God was holy. God was righteous. God was pure. And now we were blemished, not just Adam and Eve. We as a people, that the sin that they brought into the world that we brought into the world the sin that we've chosen, the things that make our hands dirty, the things that corrupt our minds, the things that have taken control of us or led us to a different place, all of those things have created a storm in every one of our lives, not as individuals, not just as individuals, but as individuals and marriages, families, cultures, regions, countries and this world. It is the biggest storm that you have ever been in and you might not even realize it. In the midst of it right now. And here's what God did loving you and loving me. He went, All the stuff that you're attaching your life to right now is a joke. I think sometimes we don't realize the weight of our own sin, the depth of brokenness big that gap actually is between us and God what God did is he saw it for what it was he said I'm not going to leave you there that storm will destroy you it'll destroy every human that's ever lived forever and God in his love in his grace in his mercy said I'll give you an anchor want to ride out this storm? His name is Jesus. What makes Jesus the strongest anchor we could ever put our faith in? The fact that he was God's son, that he came to this earth that he lived a perfect life, that he did what we could not do, and he willingly sacrificed himself. He laid down his life in the way that only he could. He was pure, he was holy, he was righteous, and he said, I'm willing to make a trade for every person in this room, every person watching online, every person throughout the history of this world who has ever lived and ever will live. He said, I'm willing to make a trade. My life for yours. Deal's on the table. And what he did is he said, I'll go first and they nailed him to a cross, they jammed a crown of thorns on his head, and he bled in front of everybody, and he said, you are so worth it. Then I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take all the sin, all the shame, all the guilt, and your new identity is on its way. This is it. It's Jesus, and he died on that cross. Three days later, he rose again, and he is who he says he is. As Cody just read and described to us a couple minutes ago, that is who Jesus is. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's holy. He's perfect. He's just, and he's loving. He's the greatest anchor you could ever anchor your life to. Some of you need to anchor your life to him right now, and you know it. You know, you're trying every other avenue, every other way. I'll be one that just says, I I went before you. They don't work. It's him. It's so easy to, you just say, Jesus, I want you. Will you be my anchor?" And his answer is already yes. Others of you in this room, uh, you've drifted, present. We've drifted to other things. Jesus invites us back and he says, anchor your life to me, the most solid, secure, stable anchor that you can ever ask for. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'd like to pray as we close. I got a verse and then a slide for you. The verse is this, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is that anchor? The question you have to answer is, is he your anchor? Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've never made the decision. Same question. As you leave today, is Jesus your anchor? The slide is here. We're going to put it up one more time at the end of the service. Uh, It's just FrontlineGero.com slash Jesus. If you need to make a decision and then let us know so we can walk with you. This isn't like, hey, here you go. Figure it out now. We want to walk with you. We want to disciple you as we are disciples of Jesus. We want to do that together. So if that's you today, if you need to make that decision today and you go, I I need to walk with somebody, fill this out. You'll get another opportunity here at the end of the service to do that. I I just want to move into a time of prayer right now where all of us can come back to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I want you. So would you pray with me as we do that? So Jesus, we come before you right now just to do that. Jesus, all of us in this room have found different things that we put our identity in, different things that we put our hope in, different things that we put our faith in and our trust in. And Jesus, I just pray right now that just in this room, you would expose those, that you would show us what is it? What is it for us uniquely? Because it's probably different, God. It's different for all of us. But the solution is the same. So Jesus, right now, I, I just pray that you, you would be present, that you'd be tangible, palpable here in the room, that everybody, whether they're watching online or sitting here in person, that they would feel your presence. In the midst of that storm, Jesus, we, we know you're king over the storms, that you preside over those storms, that every storm, every wave, every, every ounce of wind or whatever it is, God, it submits to your authority. So Jesus, I pray that you would be our anchor, not just as individuals, but as marriages and families, as a church. I pray that you would be our anchor. And for all of those right now that need to say, Jesus, I'm back, I just pray right now that they would say, I want you to be my anchor. So Jesus, hear the hearts of your people. We know you love us. We know you care for us. We know that you will anchor us if we allow you to. We love you. And as we celebrate what God's doing in this room and online and in families and marriages and in this context, God, I pray that you would that you would receive our worship now as we come before your throne, as we do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.